I'm Lizzie Mathis, and you're listening to the Cool Mom Code Podcast, where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town. This week on the mic, we have none other than the incredible Neha Kumar. From the first moment I met Neha, I knew she was someone I needed in my life. She is one of the most intelligent women I know and always gives great advice. Neha is an entrepreneur in the finance world, a faculty member at UCLA teaching finance management. She is a co-founder of New Money Ventures alongside our girl, Jacqueline Johnson, and a mom of two. Get ready to be empowered, motivated, and educated through our conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, in the house, we have the one, the only, I'm going to do a proper intro for her because she deserves all the intro, but we have (laughs) Neha Kumar in the house. And I just want to tell you, I'm so excited that I have you here with me, IRL, in real life. Um, And I'm just going to tell a quick backstory of why I'm so excited to have you here. Because before I even started this podcast, it was a thought, a little pebble in my brain. And sometimes we all have that. Here at The Cool Mom Code, we are all about, you know, mothers is the through line. But our whole vibe is to make sure that mothers know that they are not only mothers, that they are other things too. And that's our whole vibe is to inspire, aspire, like everything because we want mothers to have a full life and remember who they are and where they came from. So it was a little pebble in my brain, guys. And I went to this dinner and I met Neha and I was just like, Lord, because not only was she so interesting, um, we just connected. And I really do. I really think that, you know, in life you meet certain people and you instantly connect. And that was the feeling I had with you. I felt like I'd known you for years and years and I'd only met you for five minutes. And so we started talking and we started talking about podcasting and all these things. And she was like, do it. And so um, that was like the pebble. And I think, you know, we've had conversations and like, you know, you've been so instrumental in just like giving me even just the confidence to move forward on certain things. And this was one of them. And so I'm so excited to talk about it with you as a pebble and now have you here on the actual podcast telling your story. Um, So you are a mom of two, but like before we like jump into all that, I like to start a little bit more in like the beginning of your story, because although you are a mom, it's not the only thing. And it took you a journey to get to where you are. And so where are you from? And let's start there. Of course. So I'm originally from Orange County. My parents were from India. I am a typical product of immigration, right? So my parents came here. They were arranged marriage. Wow. And, you know... My dad came here with very, very little money. It's almost textbook immigrant story. Mm -hmm. He came here and his first job, you know, was washing dishes in the back of a restaurant. And he came here from one of the top universities, India, and people didn't really give credit to his education because Mm -hmm. it was a different time. Right. He got fired from his first job in three days. Wow. And... He had read this book, right? It was by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh And in the book, it said, dress for the job that you want. So he wore a suit (gasps) for three days going in to wash dishes. And on the third third day, they fired him because they said, listen, you're not going to stay at this job. Mm. And so it's pure immigration, like a pure product of immigration. And it's really seeing... 
you know, it's, it was so interesting growing up and seeing my parents, how hard they work to give me. And I have a younger sister, a, a life, a certain life, give us a certain education level. And I really think that that type of mentality has what's been there to really help me be successful and me be the person that I am today. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that success, right? That you've, you've had over your journey. You are extremely smart, maybe one of the smartest women I know. Um, and I just think it's so cool that you've been so open and honest about being a woman in, in leadership in the room, you know, in the room full of men at times and kind of like having that voice. Tell me about that. Tell me about how it was um, in school in a place where, you know, women aren't necessarily celebrated for being that smart in those in those circumstances and in those rooms. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's an interesting time, I think, just in history to be having these types of conversations as well. And I think one of the most amazing things is that there is a lot of awareness around this and there's a conversation that's there. For me in school, it was, it was challenging, right? Um, When I would try to do hard and, and study a lot, I was, there were a lot of nicknames that were given to me as all kids have though, right? And my nickname was nerdy Neha in high school. Mm. And, and it was really tough. And I think I went into finance and accounting and I, I know a huge part of the reason that I went into it is because I thought that that's, what's going to give me credibility. That's, what's going to help me stand up and say, you know what? I can, I can do things and I can do things that a lot of people wouldn't think that I can do. And I do know a lot of that mentality comes from my parents, right? Because it's, you're constantly faced in life with, you can't do this. And my parents always joke around and they say to me, you know, Neha, you were always the little girl who would say ever since you were two or three years old, I'll show you. And it takes time to cultivate and grow that confidence. And there's a lot of times with confidence, it does get broken down as well. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of times throughout my journey, you asked about high school and everything else down that road. There were a lot of times through my journey where I had that confidence broken Mm -hmm. and it's just like a muscle, right? And so if you want to become stronger, you break down the muscle, you go to the gym and you do things. And so for me, it was very similar. It was constantly breaking it down, but then you find the right nutrients, things Mm -hmm. that you can do, just like building muscle. Mm -hmm. And I found that in the support of a lot of people around me. And some of the biggest support that I got were from other women Mm. and That wasn't always common in my time, especially growing up. When I was in banking, I was very fortunate. I had two women that were some of the hugest supporters for me. Mm. One person was actually my credit training coach. Wow. And it was phenomenal because I was with all men all the time. I was a woman of color, which was very different. And she was as well. And here's what's really interesting about this is... A lot of women that I would see at the time, and we still see that today, is for better or for worse, they have to sit there and take care of themselves. This person was a person who bend over backwards to not only just be successful themselves, but they would take the time to educate and coach me in how I can succeed. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's so hard to find people like that. It's phenomenal because you're right. When I talk to especially successful women... They've had so many experiences of the exact opposite. They've had so many experiences where when they were young, they were learning. Women were not their supporters in the room. But in a world such as finance, right, or in these more corporate kind of situations, I've heard so many women say the exact opposite, where women have had to protect themselves 
appear to have the same mentality as a male counterpart in the room and not give back necessarily to the young women who are coming up and also shame them, you know, in the same room, you know, having like so many voices now where women are like speaking out and like, it's all like the hashtag is like women helping women support women, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's inspiring for the women that we're raising. And I think one thing just to point out too, is that there's always going to be women there that are are not going to be as supportive. Right. I had more than my fair share than I would ever like to admit that mm-hmm. were there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important for us to hold on to the ones that do support us. Mm-hmm. And then in turn to return that support in any way, shape, or form that we can. You know, I have a, a daughter now, yeah. one and a half year old. Right. And I want... It makes me more motivated to go out there and help other women because I know that it's a domino effect. They'll help other women. They'll help someone else. One day, maybe one of those people will help my baby. That's girl. right. So what do you, what do you, what will you say to your daughter, to the haters out there? The ones who don't help her, the ones who are like in her yeah. way instead of helping her. I love this. It, I would tell her to cut out the noise. Mm. Trim out the noise because no matter what you're doing in life, there's always all of this excess noise around you and you almost have to become to a certain extent myopic in scope. And now Mm. I know that phrase has a lot of negative negativity associated with it, but you kind of have to Mm -hmm. because you want to make sure that you're focusing in just on what is important. Narrow the field. The the quarterback has to narrow in on the field. He has to see everything that's going on and narrow in on where he's trying to go and throw that ball. But I think as we give such great advice to our, to our daughters and what we would tell them, we need to take it for ourselves. Yeah, I completely hear that. And that's so many moms that I talk to, they constantly get caught up with mom guilt. Yes, yes. And you do have to take care of yourself. And taking care of yourself is one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. It really is. You can be a better mother when you're taking care of yourself. Now, when I met you the first time, I was telling you too, like I started my job at Create and Cultivate when my son was seven weeks old. Right. And I dealt with major postpartum depression after I had my first child. And the interesting thing about postpartum is if you would have told me about postpartum years ago, I would have said, just push through it. Mm. It's no big deal. If you're a strong person. If you, if I would have told you about it before kids, before I had my postpartum. Wow. Right. Because I thought it was something I'm a type A personality. I work in finance. I'm, I'm very structured. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would have thought it's something you can push through. It isn't. No. It is a medical condition and it is not something you have a choice about. Right. So I didn't understand it. But what was so interesting was I had severe postpartum after I had my first son. I started working at Create and Cultivate when my son was seven weeks old. Mm-hmm. Two days after working, I stopped crying. I was able to to do what I'm really good at doing at work. Mm -hmm. And then in turn, I was able to go home and be a better mother to my son. That is powerful. Pause on that right there. You're saying that postpartum was so severe for you. You felt it so strongly after the birth of your first son. And as immediately as you, after you went back to work, you felt better about who you were. And I just think it's amazing that you're saying give light, shed light on the fact that some women do enjoy still doing things outside of the home. And that brings them joy. I had a lot of people who are telling me, what are you doing? 
what are you doing? How could this happen? I had family members tell me, you have a baby. And my husband travels for work. Right. So it was, you have a baby at home. How could you leave this baby at home? And I said, well, what, like, what about me? Right. Right. Like, I want to go to work. Right. I worked. I was somebody's baby, too. That's right. I That's had right. hopes and dreams. And, <laughs> you know, right. people had hopes and dreams for me of all the great things I was going to do in the world yes. and what I was going to become. And does that just go out the window because I had a child? I was somebody's baby, too. It just always resonates in my mind because we keep we have a child and it's the new and shiny thing in the world. Right. I mean, what about me? Well, Where you know, did I go? listen, I'm raising a human. If you want this human to be a thriving person in this world, then they're going to have to see the whole me of what makes me happy. That does not mean that, you know, stay at home moms or however you decide to mother, working yeah. mothers, stay at home mothers, um, part time mothers, what, however it is or whatever your situation is. The beauty in it is that you're making space for yourself yeah. as well as your children. When I had my daughter, um, we were going through the sale of the company at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember, because the big thing a lot of people want to talk about, right, is motherhood and entrepreneurship. Right. And a daughter and, was two years after your son. Yes. So now you have your son, you're created, you're you're on board with Create Cultivate seven weeks after he's born. So you're in it. Like you're yeah. mothering, you're careering, you're doing all the in things. Yeah. And now two years later, you're in the sale of the company. And I was pregnant. And you were pregnant. And I literally went into early labor during a three-hour day diligence call that was on zoom. Wow. I mean, it was, it was an adventure, but I mean, here's the thing is that I, I gave birth to her in the process of the sale mm -hmm. and I didn't take off a day for maternity leave. Wow. And I had so many people tell me as particular family member said to me too, they said, listen, they should give you time off. Mm -hmm. They should make sure that you can take care of your baby. They should do this. They should do that. And I said to her, listen, I am the they. <laughs> there's no, there's no other right. they. Right. 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 And when you're, if you're working at a startup, you have your own business, you're doing it. That's just, that's how this world is. And that's what you got to do. But here's what's amazing. My husband works at a large company mm -hmm. and he took off nine weeks of paternity leave. I love that. And what I love about that is we live in a world and we're, we're going more towards that where when you have women at the table, and mm -hmm. I know you and I have talked about this a few times now, but when you have a woman who have a seat at the table, mm -hmm. that perspective and that mentality now permeates throughout an organization. It's a trickle effect or right. a domino effect or a combination right. of both. So when my husband took nine weeks off of paternity leave, which is the only way we can make it all work, mm -hmm. no one batted an eyelash at no. his work. No, not at all. Not at all. Because it is a two people thing. It mm -hmm. isn't just a mom has to do something or a dad has to do something. Let me tell you. So this is really great that we're moving into this part of the conversation because once again, we had another mom on the podcast um, and she was basically explaining that in her household, she feels like if she's going to be breastfeeding, there has to be something that he does only exclusively. So her whole thing was, if I'm going to be breastfeeding, then he exclusively has to change diapers. I don't want to see a diaper. I don't want to change a diaper. I don't want to look at a diaper. I don't want to have to order diapers. I don't want anything to do with a diaper. And it was interesting, like her perspective on it was just that, like, okay, if I'm the mom, we all have, then you're the dad. It takes two. Yeah. And if we're in a household, if we're lucky enough to be in a household where there are two parents involved, yeah. then we both have to play a part in this whole baby thing. Since we were baby making, I know. We got to play a part. It took in this two people exactly. to make the baby. That's so. right. That's right. And I just loved that. But like going back to the whole thing of what you were saying about like being, you are the they. 
There are so many female founders and women are really saying right now, hey, there's something I want to do and I'm going to take the steps necessary to make it happen. I'm going to start that thing that I thought was just something I was good at or whatever. I'm going to do this. I have an idea. I'm going to make it happen. And there's so many female founders that they are the they. But do you wish that you did take time or no in hindsight? I love this question because if people need to take time to bond with their baby and do it, I respect that completely. Mm -hmm. And I know that that is a lot of the mentality that's out there. But if you don't want to, or you have other things that are coming your way, there's nothing wrong if it looks different for you. It right. looks, it's going to look the way that you want it to look. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I had been wanting to get that badge. So I teach um, entrepreneurship classes, right? right. And I needed and wanted that badge of taking a company through a transaction, mm. doing it, making it happen, closing it. Right. That was important for me in my career, not just something for the short term, but something I've been working on for such a long time and was going to make a big impact for me. The opportunity presented itself. Right. Now, was it the ideal time? I don't know. <laughs> right. You know, but. I feel victorious. Yes. Like I am absolutely going to tell my daughter what I got to do with her. And the photo that came out on Forbes of the, my partner and I uh -huh. on the sale of the company, sometimes I would look at that photo and I would say, oh, I don't look so good in that photo. I'm this, that. And I remember showing it to my OBGYN and he said, oh, Ava's in the photo with you <gasps> I because I was 30 plus weeks pregnant. Wow. And now when I look at that photo... It's amazing. She was with me during the process mm -hmm. of me selling the company and doing something that was so important to me. And I happened to have a girl. Right. I can't look at that as something that's anything more than magical. Agreed. So your question, right? Do I wish I would have done something different? I think it was perfect. I love that. I love that. I love it because you were true to you. And like every mom just being true to herself, then I think, wow, Imagine the things that mothers, women would be like doing right now. Just think of now my daughter's going to hear all these stories exactly. and everything. Think of what that's going to do for her. I think I became fearless. You know what I mean? And I yeah. don't know. I think it's just because you know the responsibility of literally raising a whole yeah. other human. If you can do that and keep yeah. that one alive, then no, no in the world means anything to you. <laughs> I got, okay, I used to be deathly scared of spiders, <laughs> right? Deathly scared of spiders. You sound like my husband. <laughs> so, and my husband would travel for work all the time. So if there was a spider, I remember one time there was a spider, like a big one. I found like a big container, put it on there, and then I waited a couple of days till he came no. home to take it. No joke, no. no joke, right? But as soon as I had a kid, you think of your child when you put the swaddles on them. That's right. They're in a straitjacket. Mm -hmm. So like if a spider were to come near their face, like they can't even swat it away. <laughs> I got so good at Ooh. taking down spiders. Like I am vicious now, right? But it's it's so, that's a small thing, right? right? In the grand scheme of things. But the confidence it gives you, because you end up yourself also, it comes back to tuning out the noise. Mm -hmm. The things that weren't that important, mm -hmm. you start to swat them away. That's right. Right. Because, you know, now there's things that are so much more important that you need to take care of and that you're responsible for. Mm -hmm. And when you now look at the world through that lens, it's amazing what you can make happen because moms are phenomenal. The phenomenal. amount of stuff that they can handle, like 
phenomenal. It's something else. But you think about it, right? You have various different entrepreneurs, different types of jobs and careers and all these things that people can do while handling all of this. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's something else. It's something else. I feel very blessed to be in a marriage and a situation and a relationship where I feel like we're both co-partners in parenting. But I promise you, I will shout it from every rooftop, single mothers and single parents, really, because now, you know, there are a lot of single dads out there, too, Mm -hmm. who are doing it. But single parents, period. Wow. Just wow. They are literally the strongest human beings on earth. But did you feel like that as a new mom? Were you like, yeah, I did. Wow. I still do with my mom (laughs) because I'll take one of my kids somewhere and I'm like, I can do one kid at a time. And my mom, my mom had me when she was 21 Mm -hmm. and then we had another, she had another kid three years after and she would take both of us on trips to India. There were no cell phones, nothing at the time, both of us. I, Mm -hmm. I don't know how she did it at all, but you know, for a period of time before COVID, right, I had, um, my son at home and it was just me and him. Mm -hmm. My husband was always traveling and I'm so fortunate. He was there on the weekend and I had the support of him. But on the weekdays, every once in a while, I would feel it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Even if I had somebody else there for five minutes, for five minutes to hold him so I could go to the bathroom. I mean, God forbid I could wash my hair. Mm -hmm. Dry shampoo was like my best friend, Mm -hmm. right? It would have made such a big difference. But it just gave me a glimpse into what it could be like for people who were both the parents have to work. That's right so intensely or you know you're a single parent Mm -hmm. it's amazing and I don't think anyone truly understands what it is like to be a parent or can even have an idea until you get thrown into it girl let me tell you there's no handbook there is no like listen when they hand that baby to you at the hospital or if you have a home birth or whatever it is there's nothing that comes with them there's no handbook that says let me just tell you here's all the ins and outs you need to know it's a learning process and you're absolutely right i mean it can be i personally think that's why uh it takes a village is so important it does because it really does take a village for for me i felt like um like most of our family wasn't in la and so for a long time my husband and i were really like doing a juggle ourselves and back and forth and and it was you know it was hard to find your village right but we had to really like find and create and create right the people around us who we could bring into our lives to just kind of help and now in my life more than ever I feel like I've finally created or found what that village looks like but I think that's the biggest thing through parenthood finding your village find the people who you know you can lean on because you have to be okay leaning somewhere yeah. Right. Like to put it all on your shoulders is the hardest part. It really is. It truly, truly is. It takes so many people to work through it. And I really believe in creating life teams. Right. Right. You have a support network of people that are around you. And yes, maybe a certain person isn't perfect or a certain family member. We all have them. Right. They only <laughs> want to do all. certain parts. Don't we all. You know, but it's knowing that each person has their role to play and each mm-hmm. person can contribute. And it's it's almost like sports right even if you're looking at a soccer team right you're gonna have the main player you're gonna have the striker you're gonna have certain people who have certain positions mm-hmm. but 
you need everyone to actually play the game. That's right. That's and right. that's how it is when you're having a child as well. Everyone has their own role to play. And I think a lot of us can be so quick to get upset with those family members, mm -hmm. right? But we got to remember, everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a part to play. This is, I feel like, the hard part of it sometimes. Like for me, you know, before having my first, I miscarried. And yeah. it was extremely difficult for me. I know that your journey into motherhood wasn't an easy one either. Tell me a little bit about it and, and what your, I don't know, what your experience was with it. Absolutely. My first child was a colic baby. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that meant until way later. But essentially, he cries all the time. Mm -hmm. And this lasted for months. Wow. My husband wasn't there. It was very hard. Um, I'm sure that added in some degree to the postpartum as well, but it was very, very hard. Also, I thought that I was so tough. I don't need medication. Mm. And I thought I could push through it and I could make things happen. Now, that was my first baby. I had a second pregnancy mm -hmm. after that. And my second pregnancy was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through in my life. And I do hope it'll, it'll stay that way, that that was the hardest thing. But we found out with my second child, there's um, a test that you do at 12 weeks mm -hmm. and it's the NIPT test, the blood test. And you find out if there's any genetic disorders or anything that are associated with it. And that happens at 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we did it during the holidays because that's when, we were pregnant. Um, and you also find out the sex of the baby. It was a boy. And we found out at that time that there was a high probability that he has a genetic defect, which it's an extra chromosome, which is considered by the medical community as an unviable pregnancy. That doesn't mean that there's going to be hardships for the child or anything else. It's actually not deemed a pregnancy. Right. And so what's so interesting is that then... You know, after that, we basically had to go through and do additional testing because we wanted to make sure. Of course. And so by the time that happened, just to give you a little bit of a timeline, it was week 12, 13. Mm -hmm. We did the amniocentesis. We got confirmation around week 14, 15, and it was during the holiday time. So all the labs, everything was closed. Everything was delayed. So around week 15 or so, we did terminate the pregnancy after we got confirmation. Mm -hmm. What's so hard for me about all of that especially just given what's occurred the past so many months of here course, of course. is, you know, I didn't even know that that was an abortion. Mm. When I would read all the paperwork and everything else, it's called a DNC. And from, from the doctors, from the medical community. They never used read. the word abortion. Right. It was called a DNC, which you know is a termination of the pregnancy. But in my mind, the word abortion always had something that had a negative connotation associated with it. Right. And, this to me was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. And I just don't know if there's enough of an understanding that people also have and what's all involved. Mm -hmm. Right. I understand there's certain time periods now where, you know, the laws in certain places will state that, you know, up until this point in time, it's, you can terminate the pregnancy or an abortion. Right. Um, we wanted this baby. Right. Right. And we did what we thought was best. Mm -hmm. I did what I thought was best. As I had to sign all the paperwork, everything else to protect my child. Mm -hmm. Because everything we, everyone, every doctor we talked to, we had multiple 
opinions. Opinions. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And it was this child isn't going to make it. And it's well, just it's also, going to suffer. It's also protecting your life. You know, because a lot of the stories we've heard, studies that we've we've read, right, is that a lot of times even just having an unviable pregnancy within you for a long period of time and waiting for it to naturally come out itself is sometimes harmful for the mother and can cause a lot of harm for even just the woman caring. And it's so interesting because a lot of people don't really understand that. Mm -hmm. And I had been given that information multiple times by multiple doctors and It could, in today's age, at least, it's not necessary that it's going to impact, like, it's going to terminate my life. Mm -hmm. But it could prohibit me from having another child as well. And it can have a lot of medical complexities for me. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting that no one really thinks about or looks at those things. That's right. And honestly, I might not have my perfect, beautiful baby girl right now if it wasn't for that at that time did we want to keep my son? 100% we did. Right, of course. I mean, I just think it's so interesting with Roe versus Wade now, right? And it being recently overturned that now we are forcing women to make the decision. In your case, let's just say, since yeah. we've just talked about it. In your case, we're forcing you to now not even have a choice between saving I won't even make it as grave as saving your own life, but let's say making sure that you are a healthy functioning human being for your and a mother for your current son who is alive and and well and and doing all these things, right? For that child, for you to be a functioning, healthy mother in society for that child. Now we're asking, not even asking, we're telling you that you don't even have the choice now with a pregnancy that that is deemed unviable by the medical community. It's wild to me. Mm -hmm. It really, really is. Like, I would like to think that everything in life has two sides. And we might be biased on a certain side. I struggle right now to understand. I really struggle, Lizzie, to understand the other side to this. I I actually don't understand the other side. Mm -hmm. Even if I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. I wanted the child. And... The thing is, is that every there's there's a different story for everybody. I was e- gonna say this the same was thing. my story, right. but everyone has their own story, mm-hmm. and we also need to keep in mind the mother, mm-hmm. the Agreed. woman, the girl. Like we were talking about earlier, she's also somebody else's baby. That's right. That's right. And she has a life that we need to protect, and that we need to nurture, and that we need to grow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so true. You know, um, I've, I've obviously have many opinions on this, but for me, I feel like this is something very similar, right? Like in our, you know, country today, black maternal health, it's a crisis. There's the rate in which we are dying as black women on the table in childbirth and through labor is 50% higher. That stat alone is just shocking to me. It's shocking to me. So I feel like it's it's so interesting, you know, how they correlate. We're taking away the right for women to choose, but yet we're not also protecting them when they have to go there and, and give birth and go through the laboring process and all these things. So we're not protecting them and we're taking away their right to choose. It's It just feels so backwards to me and it feels so... Um, backwards. Just, And now we're in a place where we just feel like we're not even protected. So we get paid less. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're not protected. We're, we're, we're expected. We're the only beings who can procreate and like, you know what I mean? Like have life and give life and like yeah. all these things. It's like, there's just so many, I don't know. It just, for me, I think in a time right now, I'm going to bring this back to you because in a time right now, when you and I are both raising daughters, how are you going to explain this time to her or what, what are you teaching her to have this, the tools necessary to navigate a world in a future like that? Honestly, I'll rewind just a little bit and then I'll answer your question, but I still just, all of this just doesn't even make any sense to me at all. Right. And even when you look at, even when you look at right now, the world where certain states are saying, will help you travel and go to other places and everything else to get it done. I just, I was working at a company at the time. I, so I went on a, it was a Thursday. I'll never forget. It was January 2nd and Thursday I went to work for half the day and then I left work and I got it done. And then Friday I took the day off and I was back at the office on Monday. I was working at a company that supports women. That's Mm -hmm. there for women. I was working in an environment that is more favorable and would have supported me, but I chose not to tell anybody because it's not for anyone else to know. It's not. No one knew I was pregnant. Nobody knew I had the procedure done. I didn't want to talk about it. It's my story and I'll tell it when I want to tell it. Mm -hmm. And now what you've done in this country is yes, companies are offering to pay for women to go. You can go with a partner, whatever it is, but so what, now you want me to go and talk to HR and tell my manager and I have to go through this process for something that already is so personal. Mm-hmm. The only thing that makes me feel a little bit better about my daughter, and I'm saying this from a place of self-interest, is she's so young. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would break my heart every single day right now that she is in a place, and it still does. I, Being honest, I try not to think about it as much as I can right now because it's mm-hmm. so painful. Mm-hmm. God forbid my daughter gets older and she makes a mistake. Right. One time. In my situation, I wanted the child, but seriously, forbid she makes a mistake one time. And for the rest of her life now, she has to change everything because she had this child. Mm -hmm. Right. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Right. We're human. Things happen. We live in a developed society. Mm -hmm. Again, where if someone makes a mistake or if something happens outside of their control, Mm -hmm. Someone gets raped. Something happens. You're going to force that child to have another child? I don't personally think that the government, yeah. our leaders, should have a say in what we do with our bodies. It's an, And to a certain extent, it's showcasing that our opinions aren't valued. That's right. One is it's our body. But number two, also, it's our opinion of how things should go. And it's it starts to then put a different type of a bias towards women in general, Mm -hmm. which now is a domino effect, which impacts so many other aspects of our life. You know, as raising two girls, I just think that it's a, it's something I think about a lot. And you know what else? Raising a son, you know, raising a son too, because I personally, I love the fact that I get to raise a young man in this world. I love it. I love the fact that I have an influence yeah. on how this young man will view women and view the value of women, yeah. you know, and I hope 
I hope to God that I am able to impart that and his sisters as well into this man that is very similar to my husband, just respects women, respects their right and appreciates their value in this world. Let's move forward. So fast forwarding, we've we've done all that, you know, now we have babies, now we have a career. <laughs> I want to talk about relationship because, you know, I think that is a big thing that, you know, we as mothers, um, or, or just I'll just say as women, as just busy people. I'll just say that. Let's be a little more general, right? As busy people, sometimes mm-hmm. we get so like caught up in our day to day. We get caught up in our careers. We get caught up in our kids. We get caught up whatever it is that sometimes keeping relationship, especially through all of the things that we're doing, can be challenging. Yeah. So, what are some ways? First of all, tell me. You and your husband have been together for a very long time. Yes. Yes. So we've been. <laughs> Together for 15 years, um, married for five. Ah, so very similar. So I love to hear about other people who have been in relationships for long periods of time, too. Yeah. Because you kind of grow up with this person in many respects, right? Yeah. Like you go through so many transitions and changes. And I know for us, that's the biggest challenge. So have you guys mastered that? I mean, that is such a great question because I wonder if it's, or I think it's essentially, you know, you you grow and then you have challenges. You got to come back together. You grow and then you have challenges. You have to come back together. I don't ever think it's a direct path and it's just all sorted. Mm, right. I love that. And so one of the things my husband and I always talk about is we're both very ambitious type A people. We met in business school. Right. And yeah. so we're, we're both on a trajectory where we want to succeed and we want to just do amazing things, whatever the success is, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. And so both of us had conversations, first of all, before we got married. We were very clear on setting the intentions for our relationship of what we are and who's going to be doing what. And the thing about that also that you have to remember is that it has to be reset at times. Mm, I like so that. if we move, if we're having children, if different things go on, we have those conversations. If and life happens, which it there does. You go. Cause life lifes. That's right. It's always lifing type That's of right. a deal. Right. And so now back to the thing with our careers. We both have an understanding and agreement that we are going to be a seesaw. At one point in time, one person's career job is going to be moving a little faster and someone's going to have to take care of more of the things we call it. My husband's last name is Philantris. So we call it the philantrisco.com, right? And so it's, it's our corporation essentially. And so at certain times I'm going to have to take the lead in certain things at home or he's going to have to take certain leads, but we're moving back and forth. And I think the misnomer is, is that back in the day it was, you had to have one parent who has the career and is the breadwinner and the other one is taking care of things at home. Mm-hmm. Now in the modern day, you can have two people that are go, go, go. And as much as we want to believe that you can always be go, 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 when kids come in the mix, it changes everything. Changes as you everything. know, it does it's the whole dynamic shift shift. And so what we've done is we alternate. Now we constantly have to have conversations and it isn't even like one year, one person takes more over the other. It could be one week. Somebody's taking more over the other. Okay. But what, what does a conversation like that look like? And how do you choose if you're both go, 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 do you choose which one kind of like we have to, yeah, we have to, and it's a choice. And so one big thing that happened is we sold the company I was at while I was pregnant. Mm. My husband took off nine weeks of paternity leave. Wow. I didn't take off a day. He took off nine weeks. Wow. It would not have worked for us if he didn't do that. It takes a village. It takes a life team, right? That is amazing. It really, it is. And it's, 
it's constant communication. I can't reiterate that enough. Yeah, I agree. A lot of marriages, right? It's all about communication. I mean, yes. I feel like that in mind too. When I, I know we're doing great and we're in a great rhythm when communication is flowing. Yeah. And it's so hard because you forget sometimes that when something changes, you need to redo that conversation or you mm -hmm. need to restate it. Right. And it's very important. Now it could be life happens. Mm -hmm. It can also be something in your career changes, but it constantly has to keep reoccurring. So right now my husband came to me, we're looking at the school year right now for fall for my three and a half year old. Mm -hmm. And he said, listen, I'm a challenge in itself, a, a whole challenge within itself. <laughs> okay. And now he said to me, you know, this fall, we need to think about something and might have to rearrange things because my travel schedule is probably going to pick up more. And I said, well, that doesn't work for me. And so then we said, listen, what are some possible solutions of how we can restructure it? I'm very big on putting an infrastructure in place oh, I love so this. that once you have the infrastructure in place, you can move forward with more confidence. Wow. Right? I love it. And you're upfront about it from the beginning. And the thing is, you might not always be happy <laughs> yeah. about what the other person has Welcome to, to marriage. <laughs> you might not always be happy about what they say, but you need to have those conversations. And the way I look at that, and this isn't business or marriage or anything, it's almost a bad versus worse. Mm. So having the conversation could be bad and it's gut wrenching and you don't want to do it, but it's worse if you don't have it mm -hmm. and things just dwindle off. I love that. Right. And they're just left up to happenstance and chance. Are there times where both of us are going to want to be there? And right. sometimes you don't have a choice because of how things are at work or opportunities that come your way. Absolutely. But it needs to be a conversation because that's the point where we can start to say, who else can we include in the picture and what could it look like? And I think the biggest thing, Lizzie, is, is doing your best. It's not always easy, but doing your best to withhold emotion. Mm. Don't make this about me or you or right or wrong, but it's just structure. Right. Right. What could this look like? Who could take care of the kids? Is there somebody else that we can pull in for parts of it? Are there other resources that we can deploy? But it's all about evaluating the structure. And then here's my always accounting finance background is you want to do a cost benefit analysis, right? right? What's right. going to make the most sense financially. Yeah. And then you figure things out collectively. And the thing, Lizzie, too, is that it is hard to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. But to the extent that you can, you want to make it fun. Because this is a journey. Right. That you're and going through together. Exactly. And as you said, we've been together with our respective partners for such a long time. We've seen the other person grow. We've gone through different stages of life. And this is the next one. And this is a hard one. Right. With kids. Right. With kids. Yeah. But, you know, as you're talking, the thing that is literally like a, a, a highlight in my brain, it's literally going, it's like flashing as if it's like in neon letters, is... That you said, listen, we are a corporation. Really think about just the dynamic of, you know, um, how a business is run. Mm -hmm. And you think of yourselves and your family as that. I think that's where the efficiency comes in. I always tell my husband, we're the corporation. Then we have the income generating assets, right? So we right. can say it's my husband and I. Right. Then we have <laughs> the outflows of cash. So the children, the <laughs> nanny, the child care, all the things that takes all the money out, right, right? right? But we actually just look at it as a business. Yes. And so that's where you start to say, okay, there's certain time periods where my career is going to have certain things that are going to come up. And then mm -hmm. from a decision-making standpoint, you look at the quantitative and then you look at the qualitative. And the reason from an emotional standpoint with my husband, I do... 
the quantitative first Mm -hmm. is because the qualitative a lot of times is subjective and Mm. people make it personal with quantitative it's easy numbers math that's right right. it's it's binary there's a zero or a one how much are you making what is something bringing in what is an opportunity worth to you Mm. so from a decision making standpoint first you do the quantitative then you add in the qualitative component. Mm-hmm. And I have found that actually makes conversations mm-hmm. with my husband even or my family easier. members. It makes it much easier because you don't bring emotions in normally when you're looking at the quantitative. You're bringing in facts. Ex- exactly. These are facts. And I am all about the facts. 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 Okay, but coming into all of this, right? Like from the family corporation to, you know, kids and, and career and all that stuff like that. Do you and your husband through this, how do you guys find time for yourselves? Do you date? It is a point right now with the both of us, too, because I always want more time with him. Mm. I want my time. I want attention. So you're the one. That. You're yes. the one. There's usually one in the relationship That's who's me. like, I want more. I want more. <laughs> <laughs> it's you. That is absolutely me. You know, I just think it's important to keep saying these things if it is something that you want. And Mm -hmm. I I keep saying it, (laughs) let me tell you. Um, But I I do think that we find the time in our own way. And my the way my husband and I find time is going to look different than your husband and yours and somebody else's. That's right. That's right. And I think the challenge a lot of times is people will look at this and even I'll be subject to this is I'll hear everybody talk about, oh, you should do a date night once a week or this or that. And then I'll start harping on my husband. I'll acknowledge it. And I'll say... You're not doing this with me. This isn't happening, right? But what does it look like for you? We created in our own way. So, for example, next week, we're actually going um, to one of our friends from business school is Mm -hmm. having a joint bachelorette and bachelor party in Cabo. Nice. And so we're going without the kids from Wednesday to Sunday. Love it. And it's just my husband and I. And we're actually going a couple days before the larger group comes there. The reason I want to point this out is, and this comes back to, you said we give people advice, but we don't always take it. And I need to take this advice myself here is that how it looks like where you're creating that time for you and your your spouse, your partner is going to look different than anybody else is doing it. And we should not create standards or benchmarks compared Mm -hmm. to how other people are. Because I actually just had this conversation with my husband this morning that he doesn't spend any time with me. My birthday is right around the corner. And he was saying, well, what do you want to do? And I said, listen, all I want, I just want more time with you. Mm. And so I also need to be mindful of that, that we do spend time, but it's different in the way that other people might do it. I think everyone's journey is different. And I think that's the beauty in all of it. And I think that actually is, is that really does cover what you just said. Everyone's journey is different in all the aspects that we've talked about. And it could be right after you have birth, Mm -hmm. what is your journey going to be with you know, you have a first kid or a second kid. How do things look like? How does your work journey go? And I think the most important thing that resonates to me, and it's a constant reminder also, is I need to create my own journey mm-hmm. for what I want, not what anybody else wants or what anyone else thinks it needs to look like. That's right. And honestly, Lizzie, I love my journey. I love it too. I love that I had my son and I was able to go back to work and be mm-hmm. successful at what I do. I love that I had the second child and he was there with me. Even if he didn't come out into this world, he was my child Mm -hmm. for that short period of time. And I love him. Mm -hmm. And I love that I had my third pregnancy, right? My daughter. And I love that I had to have her 
during this time where I was going through and selling a company and everything else that we were doing after, I love that they're a part of my life and that's my journey mm-hmm. and I get to embrace it. Right. And for some reason, so many moms feel guilty instead of just embracing and owning it. That's right. And if I could tell any other mom out there who's a young mom, who's a couple steps behind me where their kids are in age, it's own it and love it and embrace it. You will not get this time back with your children and you will not get this time back of who you are. Mm -hmm. So however it's going to look for you, do it that way and love it. That's right. You know, honestly, I could not even say it better and I couldn't end this podcast on a better note, to be honest with you. I think the idea of loving your journey, that's it right there. Love your journey, no matter what it looks like. Own it because it only belongs to you. And you know what? It's a good looking one, no matter what it looks like. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lizzie. Cool Mom Crew, I'm Lizzie Mathis, and you've been listening to this week's episode of the Cool Mom Code Podcast with the inspiring and candid Neha Kumar. I can honestly say I learned so much in that episode. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be waiting for you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.